Blog Talk Radio. It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore. All right, can you guys hear me? Right, hear I hear so I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, I was uh, was logged in like I normally am, and uh, for some reason there wasn't uh, communication going on with my headphones. So I'm without headphones at the moment, but I'm glad to start the show. Uh, it's caution out flag of uh, flag of caution. Chris Creighton here, along with my co-hosts, uh, Craig Moore and Taz Taylor. Taz Taylor, Craig Moore, how the hell are y'all? I'm doing well. Do we have Craig? I don't see him in the chat there. You don't have Craig. Uh-huh. You have me again. Our numbers are very similar. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, I'll put you on uh... mute me. All right, so, Taz, you there? Yeah, you got me. Okay, all right, so, uh, yeah, I've got a new number, 8093. I wonder what Craig is. All right, so, uh, Taz, it's uh, it's Monday night, it's Race Chat Live. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I, I think a lot of people would say this past weekend was a disappointment. Uh, I don't know how. I thought it was great racing. Um, yes, we've had a repeat winner four four weekends in a row, uh, but uh, you know when it, you got to respect the talent. Kyle Larson has the talent; he deserves to be where he is right now. Um, your takeaway from the inaugural uh, Music City Showdown—I mean, Friday through Sunday—I thought it was thought, I thought it was great racing. I, I did understand that there was some uh, issues with uh, getting people in and out of the facility. Uh, but there again, I'm going to tell you guys something. You know, Talladega's flawless, uh, Taz Taylor. Uh, but it's because those guys have been out there doing it consecutively for 30 years. You know, some of them, then when the new guys come, they just learn from the old guys. Uh, they have nothing to work with. Well, uh, uh, Nashville, Nashville delivered a lot better than we probably, some of us anticipated. I mean, for a track that hasn't ran in all quite a while uh definitely shows that we have a great track to work with um and maybe nashville super speedway has a bright future ahead for not only nascar but maybe other racing to come there in the future who knows i mean maybe arca might start start swinging by there 
on top of maybe Nashville Fairgrounds, maybe we can see maybe another race added on. Who knows? But Nashville yeah. has promise. But, I mean, yeah, it, I guess you can see the cup race kind of suck, but Xfinity and trucks delivered. Uh, cup, you can say it kind of was kind of a bit boring if you want to think about it that way when you have – uh, Kyle Larson leading 264 out of 300 laps. <laughs> oh, you know as well as I do, had it been Mark Church Jr. or uh, Kyle Bush, we'd all be on our crying towels right now. Oh, the race was horrible. But since it's our dirt track hero, Kyle Larson, our, our dirt track Jesus, uh, since since it was him, we're all giving we're all giving Kyle Larson a break. But you know, four wins in a row—that's pretty impressive, man. Like you got to go back to like Harry Gant, you know, when you think about four wins in a row. He's he's riding the tide, and of course, ten years later, if he's still tearing it up like this. I think we'll all be sick and tired of of the dirt track Jesus, Kyle Larson. Uh, but uh, you know, th- I, I heard it said best last week. This guy has has. You know, single-handedly brought fans that had dis- dis- disassociated themselves with others because they just wasn't, you know, NAS- I'm talking about from asphalt to, to dirt, and NASCAR particularly to dirt fans. There's been a separation in the community for quite a while. And Kyle Larson's been like this dirt track hero, this dirt track Jesus that I'm speaking of, and he's brought everybody together, man. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing, and... Uh, as I say, if it was Kyle Busch this weekend or if it had been Jimmy Johnson or anybody like that, I think we'd all be with our crying selves. Well, it was a horrible race, but, man, the excitement that I felt in Music City the uh, the, the the whole weekend, and, you know, we can make a big deal about NASCAR selling out of a 40,000-seat venue, 40, venue, or we could just say, hey, you know, that's, that's kind of a smaller crowd, but it's something that I believe we should get used to. And there's a part in all this that I think is most important that it did sell out, right? So we can add a couple more seats, right? So when, when we get around 60,000 capacity, let's, let's stop it there. You know, let, let's put the reins down and say, okay, this is going to be what this event has because it's new today. But if you, if you already start, you know, with these big old plans, let's keep it at the smaller venue. Let's, you know, this, I think, is where we felt like the fans were shut off, the, the, the local fans, the, the southern fans. were, You know, when NASCAR went mainstream, it was these smaller venues were the first ones that we lost off the schedule. And uh, so it, it's, it's uh, I feel like it was a successful weekend. I know I'm glowing and gleaming from ear to ear. Um, I felt like it was an exciting weekend for race. Yeah, definitely. I you can't complain no matter what race you watch this weekend. I mean, you have NASCAR doing a triple header this weekend at Nashville, which like you said, the fans absolutely loved it regardless of where you're from, how uh, big or small of a NASCAR fan you are. Um, no matter where you, like I said, no matter where you are, you, if I guess you could say you felt like NASCAR gave a breath of fresh air that everyone, you know, was looking for. Everyone loved the track. The environment was great. You also saw um, SRX at Knoxville, and people were loving that one. 
much more than Stafford last weekend. I mean, yeah, the series changed the format going from 15-minute heat races to 12-minute heat races and shortened their feature from 100 to 50 laps, and they only counted green flag laps in the feature. And they changed where you go from heat two, determine your feature starting lineup, to now the average finish of the two heat races, determine your starting lineup. And it was just no matter where you went with with racing, you had a weekend that you a great race that you asked for. And then, and I will say this, Miss Lee, whoo, I thought she was wild for picking Chase Briscoe, but Briscoe was actually running up front for a bit, and I was quite shocked. Um, I didn't know I was, I was. I didn't know that was leading into a comment there, Chad. Um, that you you put the brakes on me there all of a sudden as I was reading over the screen. Um, uh, what was the question? I was no, I was saying Miss Lee put the shocker on us all because we all when she said Chase Frisco is her pick, we were all like, oh, well that's a ballsy move, and turns out it was kind of a decent move for that one. He showed up for a bit. Oh yeah, Briscoe did have a hell of a run. I, I, as you as you said, I felt like she was kind of burning one there, you know, uh, with the Briscoe pick. But uh, the SHR Fords actually uh, looked a little bit like they might have found something there. So, uh, uh, which you know, kind of leads me to the next uh, uh, question of, of Chase Elliott being stung with a DQ, and we're not talking about Dairy Queen. Um, the five loose lug nuts, a disqualification. My question is, is why the hell were they worried about Chase Elliott who finished 13th? So, uh, um, was that a, was that a warning that, uh, that their NASCAR's on to them? Well, I know NASCAR, they do post-race inspection for, I believe it's like top five and then they've, yeah, like a ran- they pick like one or two cars at random outside of the top five to do like actual tear down post race inspection, just like the top five or whatever. Apparently, Chase Elliott just had to be that one random car, and that was it. Yeah. Or maybe they, or maybe they kind of do a quick rundown to make sure people's lug nuts weren't loose or whatever. I think they do that with all the cars though, regardless of where you finished. Yeah, so that that could be the case there. I I look at it as possibly a warning that uh because there was some chatter over the radio uh that Kyle Bush was describing the tail end of Kyle Larson's car and the track bar actually being higher than the track bar of Denny Hamlin, uh and Denny Hamlin having a max out track bar, how could that possibly be that the track bar and Larson's car was pivoted higher uh, than Denny Hamlin's when everybody is supposed to be on the same spec. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that NASCAR directly went into, but but obviously, if anybody listened to the podcast this past weekend by Dale Jr. Download, Jimmy Spencer spoke of these shenanigans, and uh, J- Dale Jr. has had no problem saying, if my team's not cheating, they're not trying. Um, so... Um, you know, this is uh, this is all kind of being brought to life that, uh, you know, um, at whatever advantage 
Hendrick has, it's probably not legal. It's probably not legal. It's probably not in the books. But this is the nature of NASCAR. Hendrick has found something, and it just so happens the driver with the most talent out there on that racetrack, week in, week out, is Kyle Larson. I mean, you know, Hendrick has everything hitting on all cylinders. Has have they peaked too early? Have they showed their hand too early? Because I believe Mr. Hendrick showed his hand this weekend on pulling back the reins of our dirt track Jesus, Kyle Larson, as as we follow up into the next question here, um, uh, have, did you hear anything about Mr. Mr. H telling uh, telling the reporters uh, that uh, Kyle Larson's dirt track days are probably going to be limited? I didn't hear anything about that, shockingly, but I don't think Hendrick is peaking too early. I think they're peaking at the right time. I mean, when they were out in the dumpster, everyone was like, well, where's Hendrick? While Gibbs and Stuart Haas and and maybe Penske would sneak in there for a bit. Everyone's looking around like, okay, we got our top teams, but where's Hendrick? They're like falling asleep back there. And, of course, I I would kind of say this is where they went in their transition phase of losing their veterans and getting the younger guys and younger guys needing to adapt and getting used to the competition. And once they get their win, their confidence will build up. And I still feel like Stuart Haas is at that point right now. Yes, they ran well at Nashville this past weekend, but that's one race. We still have plenty more to go. So the question is going to be, are we still going to see this good old Kevin Harvick, you know, trying to pull the rest of the weight for SHR while everyone else is sleeping in the back? Or are they going to use national confidence booster and maybe work their way back up? But Larson being limited to some of his dirt track racing, everyone knew it was a matter of time. Mr. H would limit him if, Larson was, you know, going to win races to the point where he could be winning championships at this rate. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that maybe they are peaking too early, fast. I mean, um, the Fords have found something. They're, 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 I think Kevin Harvick is a week or two away uh, from from getting some wins. And remember, this is our double weekend here, uh, as Taylor. We, we have to make double picks for Pocono. I believe this yeah, is the weekend that we go to Pocono. And we yeah, all, two yeah, series, all three series are in action this weekend. And I know uh, Trucks and Cup run one one day and then Xfinity and Cup run another day. So, and Arca's running this weekend, too. I well, I think they may be at Pocono, too. Miss Lee can correct me on that one if I'm wrong. Um, but this is going to be a wild weekend. I mean, you got to bring the best of the best you can, but the question is going to be in the first race, are you going to go throw down all you got and maybe save up for the second race, or are you going to – are you going to save up for the first and throw down on the second? It's all going to be, it's all going to be a lot of question marks. I mean, yeah, we did this last year, I believe, but 
I think this year with the competition level rising, who knows what's going to happen this time. Yeah, this is our prime time during the summertime. Unfortunately, a lot of these tracks that we're going to during this stretch are not chase tracks. Uh, so we're part in that part of the season where we're, you know, we're going to uh, places like Michigan and Pocono. Uh, we went to Nashville. We've gone to road courses here. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're in that part of the season where these tracks are uh, not in the chase. So they're not as relevant, I believe. I believe. And I don't mean that and that they're not important. They're just not relevant to the chase. So they're not, they're not really building information for these chase races that they have coming up, which in re- return gives us a lot better, uh, you know, gives us a, a, a chance at better variety, what I'm trying to say, Taz. I think that uh, we're going to see some unique winners uh, coming up. And like I said, I believe Ford's fixing to hit their stride. I think they found something or they're able to get away with something. And, uh, you know, maybe NASCAR, to, to even the field a little bit, just needed Ford and Toyota to be uh, innovative. I, w- I wish you guys would listen to the Jimmy Spencer uh, interview because it says, uh, it says a lot about what goes on inside, what was going on inside the office of NASCAR. And some things are, uh, some things are like we see it, not necessarily as, uh, um, well, there's a, there's there's a type of dark cloud in the bag. They can make things happen, and they can keep things from happening. NASCAR can, um, uh, you know, the old black helicopter theory and stuff. But uh, so Jimmy kind of hit on that, and, and and we know that NASCAR is full of cheating. Um, yeah, no doubt, Mosley. Uh, our task, yeah. Um, but. Uh, Yeah, and I'm having a a feedback here, and it's really getting on my nerves. I'm so so sorry, guys. Go ahead, take it, Dad. Let me see if I can get this fixed. Yeah, Chris mentioned the wild winners we could see for Pocono. I mean, Pocono's been known to kind of do that, where guys that kind of sit quietly running up front mid-pack could sneak one out late in the race and win. I believe Ryan Blaney did that with Wood Brothers a few years ago. He was one of them in his short, young career in the Cup Series. And now we got on some guys. We know Matt Benedetto was running a Wood Brothers car. We know he's been knocking on the door for a win. It's just a matter of time. Could we see him win one of these races? Um, can Kyle Larson dominate like he has been doing? Can Denny Hamlin, who's been points leader all this long time, finally get that monkey off his shoulder for this year and get that win as well? I mean, there's a there's a lot of speculation going into Pocono. And looking at the point standings right now, Denny Hamlin has the points by 686. Larson's behind him in second with 10 points back. Byron's third, 81 back. Chase Elliott, fourth, 94 back. Joey Logano, the first Ford in the point standings, sits fifth, 108 points back. Then Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski to round out your top ten. Austin Dillon, Alex Bowman, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Chris Busher, and Michael McDowell are your top 16 right now as we stand with, I believe, 
only about nine races left, I think, before we get into playoffs. Yes, yes, nine races to go. And most of these tracks have zero relevant with what what uh, the trace the chase track. <clears throat> um, you know the 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 chase tracks are not not in this part of the uh, the schedule. So um, there will there will be any any information being transferred. I did notice a, an interesting um, a nugget here that I would like to share. Taz uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, oh, okay. So, outside of Ross Chastain, uh, finished in second. Hendrick was on Hendrick Motorsports was on pace to have the one-two finishes since May second. So that is that is six weeks of domination uh, by by the Hendrick cars. So six weeks in a row, a Hendrick car has been a winner. Um, <laughs> These other teams need to try a little bit harder, Taz, uh, because obviously, um, uh, if if Hendrix is so-called cheating, uh, they're they're doing a really damn good job at. It. Well, it, Hendrix got a long way to go. I mean, yeah, you have a twenty-six race regular season. That's great and all, but the biggest question is going to be when that when those twenty-six races are over. When it comes to playoff time, those final ten races, yeah, you can look at it and say, okay, we have ten races to get to our championship goal. But the biggest question that doesn't get asked very often is, how are you going to do in each of the three stretch stretches of the playoffs? Because if you have one bad race and you do somewhat okay, maybe have a great race in the other two, that can eliminate you. And Hendricks right now, they're looking fantastic, but the like I said, the biggest question is going to be, how are you going to handle your three-race stretch? Are you looking for consistency? Are you looking for wins? Like, what kind of pieces are you learning from the regular season to kind of go, okay, we need to implement this much stronger in the playoff time. We need to go on certain things and – Obviously, the one thing's going to have to be post-race, especially with uh, making sure their crew guys are securing lug nuts on, especially. And it's shocking that it was Chase Elliott's team that got DQ for loose lug, for as many loose lug nuts after getting that special uh, pit crew award in the author race just a week ago. Yeah, um, as I was reading through the uh, through some of the latest tweets and all, I was trying to find uh, the specific uh, article about Hendrick on dirt car race. I think he's happier. I want him happy. I don't want him hurt. I've kind of given up on the on stopping guys from wanting to drive. Um, but Kyle Larson has stated that uh, NASCAR has always been his number one priority. So basically, what I'm reading into. With the with the earlier statement, uh, Taz, is that uh, as we get closer to race to the chase time, uh, Hendrick has asked uh, Kyle to kind of slow down on the dirt side. He's also Rick Hendrick mentioned that there's several people 
that are interested in signing on as sponsors, just not enough. And, and we all know Rick Hendrick, uh, we've, we've watched him for years. He's the kind of car owner that doesn't want to sell something small and miss out on the big, right? So basically what Mr. Hendrick is saying is, yes, there's money out there to put on, to put, but it's barely enough to put on for the, put, a, put the name on the race car. And with Kyle Larson's tight talents, obviously Hendrick thinks it's pretty important that they land a big-time sponsor. Kind of similar to the way, you know, Jimmy Johnson uh, brought in Ally. You know, um, that was a former uh, GMAC group that had sponsored the car for a very long time, uh, and Mr. Hendrick, and uh, they, they kind of upped it. the ante. And we look at what uh, DuPont has turned into with the Exalta and uh, um, other companies that have branched off uh, from the original DuPont uh, of course, Mountain Dew. It was very surprising this year that Pepsi Mountain Dew uh, had you know, limited their sponsorship and was stepping outside of the racing box, especially with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I thought that was a really big uh, uh, deal with Chase Elliott and all. You know, a former sponsor, of course, of uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, so when uh, when Hendrick signs sponsors, he's he's looking for long term and he's looking for 36 races, basically. And uh, so that's oh, how yeah. hold out on getting uh, Larson sponsors at this point in time. Uh, it's just a matter of time for Larson to get big sponsors to come in. I think all these sponsors are now opening their eyes, saying, okay, this guy's real deal. Not only is he getting it done in the dirt, he's getting it at NASCAR. This guy's on the right path. He's done his road to recovery. He's done what he's needed to do. He's now making statements. He's make, and not in a small way, but a big way, obviously, since he's winning races back to back to back to back. And always running up front. Always a name to talk about each and every week, regardless of what track we're going to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know, there should be a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of money behind this kid. He's went out and won four races. No telling what he's going to do for the rest of the year. Um, we know that Kyle Larson has arrived. Jesus has come back. And, uh, you know, he's saving racing right now. He really is. And people that want to argue that, they can come on this show and they can argue me or you. That's fine. I would love to have them call in and argue the fact. I would love for somebody to disagree that, that Kyle Larson is the best thing for racing in a long time. Um, and as I've said many times before, uh, Kyle Bush come at the exact right moment. We needed a villain at the time. We had not had a good villain in our sport since the, since Earnhardt had passed away. And everybody wants to put Earnhardt on this big old huge pedestal. And, but we know that Earnhardt was booed just as much as he was cheered. And really the death of Earnhardt may have, may have joined people who had couldn't stand the guy and made a fan out of him, you know, because, I mean, it was it was just a, a, an awful tragedy. Um, but the sport needed a Kyle Busch when he come along. Now, this is the opposite, guys. This is, uh, this is Kyle Larson, the good guy, who's been portrayed as a villain, uh, has been written a book about being a villain, but uh, we will see in the end that he was a hero. And, uh, you know, how, how awesome that is that we're watching history unfold here with one of the coolest racers 
uh, that's ever stepped into uh, a car. So we're getting uh, close to our guest time. I don't have a number information for our guest if if maybe uh, Greg has not showed up. Um, but we'll progress on. What's the Craig bar? Oh, okay. Harvick and Hamlin each won a race. Finished second last year at Pocono. Yes, Miss Lee. Yeah, like uh, this could be the moment rolling into Pocono where uh, we we get to see, you know, the Fords and Hamlin. Of course, <laughs> we forget there's a whole uh, back half of drivers that are in the back the the back part of the chase. Uh, that uh, oh, okay, cool. That's uh, that's um. Not had a win this year with names like uh, Kevin Harvick, you know, to, to to sound off that one right off the top of my head. And this guy doesn't have a win. Out. Am I mistaken? Denny Hamlin doesn't have a win either. Fast. He it, this could be his weekend. Pocono's thrown more wild cards than anyone could expect. Right. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna take our. Uh, we're going to go to our next segment for our guest. Um, bring her on here in just a second. But first, we've got a quick pause for a commercial break. Are you ready? Your wedding day. A day that you've envisioned in your mind since you were a child. And now that it's becoming a reality, don't risk your once-in-a-lifetime event to a once-in-a-while amateur you found on Craigslist. The entertainment you choose for your special day can either make or break your celebration. You can never redo your wedding. But you can avoid a costly mistake by hiring a true professional. We make every wedding unforgettable. When what you need is more than music, what you want is more to music. That's M-O-O-R-E to M-U-S-I-C. More to music. Find more to music on Facebook. M-O-O-R-E to M-U-S-I-C. Also, moretomusic.com. More to music. More to music specializes in weddings, anniversaries, parties of all kinds including the one in your backyard where you want some karaoke for all your friends? More to Music. Owner-operator Craig Moore can be found on Facebook right now. More to Music. M-O-O-R-E. The number two, M-U-S-I-C. More to Music. More to Music. By the way, it's never too early to plan your events. All right, all right, all right. So we're going to get our guest, Ashley Palmetter, on. Uh, we're going to break the... Palmeter? 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 Palmeter, okay. All right. Miss Ashley Palmeter, I have axed your name. I've slaughtered it. I have thrown it through the wood chipper. Uh, that is completely my fault. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, but other than that, uh, Miss Ashley, welcome to Race Chat Live uh, with Chris, Craig, and Taz. Unfortunately, Craig has not made it in uh, this evening, but... Uh, we are uh, ready for this awesome interview. Obviously, um, you are in the go karting uh, world. Is that is that is that what your specialty is? Yes, I've been racing go karts for about twenty two years. 
Wow, and started at the age of eight. So that would put you, well, right, we're not going to put, uh, put put that together. So six years old at Carrico Creek uh, Race Park, uh, by age eight, you were 2001 national champion at Albany Saratoga Speedway. Uh, wow. Uh, so what's been going on since 2001? How many championships? I have a total of actually just two championships. I know that's not a lot, but, um, you know, it's still something. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think Chris got caught off guard. Oh, no. Where's Miss Ashley? Miss Ashley, come back. <laughs> you're still on there. You're still on the line, so uh, your your number's still there. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, ma'am. We can hear you now. Okay. Uh, so uh, only two championships, but my goodness gracious, you've got 22 years' experience. Uh Give us a rundown. How did you get into racing? Well, I was four years old, and my dad first brought me to Kroger Creek, which he worked at with the original owners, um, Jimmy Johnson. And at four, I was begging him to race. And finally, at six years old, he decided to buy me one, and it just stuck with me ever since. And we, I've been going on. Um, when I was 14, I did try slingshots for a few years. Um, and then I took a few years off to finish school, and I had my children. And, I mean, I raced on and off for, um, you know, friends of ours and things, and I was able to get wins, but I just never really did a full season. Um, and then I had my two kids, and last year uh, Tom Varon said, hey, I have a wing champ. Do you want to try it? And, uh, of course, my answer was absolutely. And now I'm um, – back racing full-time and going for, hopefully, a championship this year. Here, and maybe we might get Craig here soon. I see him popping up in the chat here, but so the 2001 National Championship Albany Saratoga Speedway, like, what kind of carts were you racing? Is it the Albany Saratoga that the of course, the big cars, like the modifies and stuff run on. And tell us all that at only eight years old. Yeah, so back then, um, for quite for a couple of years, they would run one big national go-kart championship race on the big track. So I was able to go when I was eight years old, and my first time ever racing on that track, I went out and I was able to pull off a win. Now that's now it's like on that's normal like flat carts as most people would call it, right? It was one of those or was it a different kind of cart? No, it was just a normal flat cart. I raced those right up actually until last year when I was had my first time out in a wing champ. You mentioned slingshots. Where um what kind of tracks were you running at? Were you traveling or were you staying like more like close to home? How was the experience like going from a go-kart to a slingshot? Well, I raced actually all over New York with the slingshots. We had a track. We had Kroger Creek, of course. We had Green Ridge. Um, I was able to do Malta a couple of times. Um, there used to be a little track out in Utica. Um, we would travel all the way out there. 
Um, there was a few other ones that I, that I would just travel to, um, and the difference there was a big difference. I mean, of course, slingshots have suspensions and go karts don't. Um, and I I just I loved racing it. Uh, the only reason I ended up getting out of it was uh, they just at that time they died out. Nobody was racing them around here, so we just stopped and got rid of everything. Wow. What are some What are some of the key takeaways going from a slingshot and then eventually getting back into carts when you're getting back into them? Um, you know, I I just re- honestly I I it was easy to just hop back and forth in between the two and that you know it didn't it didn't bother me going back down because uh, carting was something I always loved. Right. Yeah. And so you have a teammate, right, uh, Ethan? Yeah, Ethan is my soon-to-be stepson. And do y'all get to race in the same class, the same division, or is that uh, the, the way that we race cars down here is basically a family can show up one car and race that car each individual races. Is that something similar to how it's done up there, Ashley? Well, in the wing camps, we could. Um, I could run – the, I I mean where I don't run the pro class. Um, I mean I probably right. could with all my experience, but I don't because it's been a few years since I have raced at all. And actually, like I said, I've never raced one of those. So Ethan has his own. Um, and yes, we do race against each other. Um, you know he doesn't always like when he's behind me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, you you got to school them though, right? I mean, that's how you that's how you get them hooked, right? He's got to come back out there and try to beat you again. Um, so yeah, you know, we don't we don't think of horrific crashes and stuff uh, when when we think of go kart racing, but things can get out of hand real quick, especially you guys touching the wheels and anything like that. Have you ever had a Have you ever had a oh shit moment or something to that effect where you know it could have gotten uh could have gotten serious? Oh, I've had plenty. I've actually flipped um, my go-kart four different times, um, and that was a flat cart. There was no cage over it or anything. Um, so there was quite a few, you know, oh, shit moments there. And then um, I've had one <laughs> with the wing champ. Last year I thought I was going over. We had a little pile up on the front stretch. But um, I was able to make it out, and the cart was a little scratched, but I was all right. So when it comes to competition in these cards, is it like a big family? But once it's on the track, uh, it can be pretty competitive. The, the go-karting that they put on TV, the uh, the thing that they've had on the Discovery Channel and several other places, it, it's almost like they're coming in as separate ball players and they're competitive, that competitive against others. Is it really that, or is it more of a community like most like most races? Um, you know, we have our our big racing family um and we all help each other out when we can but it can get really competitive at times um but you know i mean down here at kroga it's just says you know we just have a big group and we all get together we have fun and you know but when we're out on the track it's it's a little bit different and we have you know the competitions we do bump and bang but normally when we get off the track it's like you know, hey, that was a good race. 
Right. But it can be very competitive. Like, uh, so this past weekend, Dale Jr. Dale, uh, Dale Jr. Uh, had the uh, the lost speedways, and so he mentioned about his uh, Dirty Mo Speedway, which is a dirt track speedway that he had built on his property. And he said, you know, in the beginning, it was, you know, everybody come out for a good time. You have 100 people in the stands. But they asked, why did you why did you close Dirty Mo Speedway? And he said, because by the end, it was very aggressive. People were, uh, uh, you know, taken into the extreme. And uh, I guess that's any form of racing, right? Once you kind of get things going and money gets involved, especially when money gets involved, things tend to heat up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really does. Um, that you know, last year I, I also I had a another wreck where somebody hit me from behind, and I mean, it was it was for money, and I mean, it was that, and that was on a caution lap. So I mean, to me, that was just being way too aggressive out there, and I mean, it could have hurt me, but not only myself, it could have hurt them or even somebody else on the track, and. I mean, you don't want to be – I just don't like to be dangerous when I'm out there, but, of course, racing is just a dangerous sport in itself. But I don't like to race that way. I know there's times where there's $1,000 on a line, but, you know, if I'm bumping and banging, I'm not coming home with that $1,000. Right. So there's that much money on the line in some of these car races. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like this weekend, um, there's $500 on the line for the wing champs. Um, so, I mean, it can, it may get a little aggressive, um, for oh. that much money, but it's, it's usually good competition. Obviously, when you say wing champ, the first thing I start thinking about is something that looks like a go-kart that has a sprint car wing on it. Am I anywhere in that ballpark? You are in the ballpark. Interesting. And why the wing? The wing um, seems like a good idea, especially if you turn over. You know, I, I was never really sure of why the wing, but um, Mr. Tom Varon is the one who started that whole wing champ thing, and it just has kind of stuck. And, I mean, it actually looks really cool. It almost, you know, it, we, are, we are a go-kart, but at the same time we look like a little tiny sprint car. And how long have you been racing those wing cars? Um, so my stepson, this will be his second season racing them, um, and this is my first full season. I was able to get a few races in last year at the end. Um, my son was only a few weeks old when I hopped into one, and they just kind of stuck. I mean, actually, we have a whole fleet of them here at our house. We have five of them that are here that we could have ready to rock and roll, but we only have two that we continuously run. So a big thing around where I'm from in east of the woods, which is down here in the south in Mississippi, our boys have a tendency to go out there and build them an at-home car track. That, uh, does that sound familiar? Um, I mean, I... Like an at an at home cart track. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, well, I, I don't practice track. They call it they call it a practice track. And honey, I'm not just saying that it's go karts. I'm saying it's full fledged stock cars out here. Some of them they go out there in the pasture and they build them a little practice track. But do you guys do that? Do y'all race for fun, or how, how does that is it does that happen up there? Well, I mean, we could. We just never put one in. But um. You know, sometimes my family itself gets a little dangerous with competition. So sometimes, um, 
you know, not having our own track, I think, is, is a good thing. Um, I mean, we literally, I'll be honest, we live two minutes away from Kroger Creek, so it's, you know, it's oh, usually like a five day hate. Anyway. Yeah. This, so we've had a guest on Luke Rakowski. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the name sounds familiar. Um, and he's, and I believe he has an at-home uh, track as well with something similar uh, to what we have down here with some of these guys. But uh, so you know, obviously, kart racing I think in the in this region kind of comes and goes in waves. And once uh, we get things going really good, uh, basically, dirt car racing kind of pulls the they 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 pull these drivers that have done really good in the cart started at a young age. They start racing dirt tracking, and so then you have to reflourish the uh, the the the, the uh, amount of people that are within the cart racing community. Is that is that similar to how it is there? Do you have a lot of a wave of the new generational drivers that eventually go up and they they go to the bigger track? Um, or, or is it just really a core group of racers that, that mainly stay in carts? Because we have, um, those you know, well, we have, it these... goes in, it goes in waves here. Um, you know, like, I mean, honestly, I'll say this year, I've been to multiple tracks and I, and I think this year is one of the wave years. Um, I know a lot of them have moved up. A lot of people, because of everything that has gone on, they want to do things with their family. I know racing is a family thing, but they're waiting until school's over. Um, it's just, it seems like no matter what track we have gone, gone to, that this year there's just, it's been a low for, for karting. I mean, even putting out some big money races, there, there hasn't been as many carts that you would think there would be. Right. So... Going back from what was it like in last year with 2020 for not only you but also for the race team as well, knowing that with the COVID restrictions, not knowing what was going on, what was kind of the game plan last year um, in terms of trying to adapt to the situation? How are you guys going to prepare for races or for a race season? Well, last year – Actually, I'll be honest, we didn't, with the virus starting, we had waited until the very last minute, honestly, the week before we found out that um, any racetracks were even going to open. We didn't have anything prepared. Um, we didn't even have our wing champ ready. We were actually going to try to, to get the flat cart ready so Ethan could race and at least have something to race, but... We ended up going um, up to Adrenaline Rush and came home with everything for the wing champ. We just hurried up and threw it together, and that was like about middle of July, I believe, is when we had the first race, and we just went out there, and he was able to race, and then we would just go week by week because we never knew what was going to happen, um, and especially, you know, we had our son at the end of July, so, you know, we had no idea what was going to happen for us last year. We were just thankful that we were able to make it to each week for racing um and if we said if you know with the virus or if we couldn't make it one week it you know we were we were okay with that um and then we just did our homework and prepared for this year and this year we're we went out full four and we're doing two tracks a week and trying to you know make up for last year it is very interesting that you said something a minute ago, Ashley. 
And as you said that, I pondered back to something that you said earlier when we were talking about the wave. And you said a lot of people wanted to take the time to spend with their families. This time off that we got during COVID, it's affected people differently. Is uh, should we not should should we believe that there are going to this going to be a slow period in racing as people have found other things to do? Well, I, I think I think there is going to be a little bit of a slow period. Um, I think especially this year is people have either found other things to do or now like the things that they would like to do last year, um, you know, go on a little vacation or go to the, you know, the water park or anything like that. Now that they're all open, you know, families are going to want to take that time out and be able to go do them. And racing, I think, for some of the families is just put on the back burner. Right, right. So you cannot get a room on the beach, and it's been that way on the Gulf Coast, uh, since right around the end of May. They are getting, in some places, $1,200 a room at the Holiday Inn, and we're not talking about the resort. Uh, so it's definitely people have, have come back out in droves, but even at our local track, we're, we're consistently with 50 to 60 cars, and, and honestly, we're struggling for 200 to 300 fans right now. And we're all kind of wondering whether or not it's the economy or whether or not people have just found other things to do. Like I said, uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, or COVID-19, as I love to make fun of, but in all seriousness, it's not anything to joke about. Um, but people have taken it in different in different strides. And, you know, to see the, the fans sell out at Nashville and to see uh, the Indy 500 with as many fans as they had there, and 40,000 people at the Los Angeles Dodgers game and in Los Angeles, you just kind of, you're like, okay, well, they have no problem coming back to these places. What's the issue here? What should, do you have any ideas on what we could do to help bring those fans back? You've been around racing for 20 years. Ashley, what can we do to get some of these fans back through the gate? Um, you know, I, one, honestly, um, I think one of the things is, is you know, I'm a fan of, like, dollar hot dog night. You know, you say, hey, dollar hot dog night, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> dollar you know, dog, but, dollar dog, you can't beat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's. I just, I think once people realize, hey, it's, you know, we're, it's all open now. We can go watch the racing and not have to worry about whether I'm going to be able to have a seat because we were supposed to, you know, not be able to sit there last week. Um, you know, sometimes I think it might take a couple weeks. Um, I wasn't able to go to Fondo, um, this past weekend. Um, and my soon to be father-in-law, he also works at Fonda. So I wasn't able to hear like, Hey, we're the stands finally full now that everything was open. So, um, you know, I'm just anxious to see, and I'm hoping to see more spectators come to the go-kart tracks and be able to support us as go-kart racers where racing starts for most families. Right. Fast, I think you have some. So now we transition from last year to this year, obviously basically going back to normalcy. What kind of, what have been the plans so far and what are the future plans for the rest of this year? So the rest 
rest of this year, and I mean, our plans honestly this year were only to run um, Clover Creek Raceway and the WCRS series and um, the new series, which was the Cobra Wingless series. That was only our plans this year. Um, we decided to venture out to Dodge City, and so now we are committed to Dodge City on Fridays, as I am now second in points there. Um, and we are doing Crow Creek every Saturday um, in the WCRS series and um, the other Cobra series that he has going on, um, as I am now also second in points at Kroga, um with hopes of being able to move up in both tracks. And, I mean, our future plans is just to continue going and, um, you know, hopefully at both tracks to keep racing and, you know, who knows what next year is going to bring yet, but that's our plans right now is just to hopefully keep going. Now, where can people follow you guys to get updates on your guys' racing schedule, racing updates for the 2021 season, or maybe incoming sponsors that may want to help you guys out? So I have we have our own racing page under Allen Racing, um, and I make sure that everything is posted on there. Um, I also post most of everything to my personal page, which is Ashley Palmatier. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously that's all on Facebook, and anybody who has any questions too about racing, they can message either page, and I am, and I'll answer them. And do you have any sponsor plugins that have helped you get to where you are for the entire race team? Well, first and foremost is my fiance Rob, because honestly, without him being able to work on parts and work on them at the track, we wouldn't be racing. Um, then we have Wagon Train Barbecue, who has been a great sponsor this year. Um, I really need to thank Tom Varen um, with Varen Freight Systems and the Kroger Creek and the WCRS series for actually, you know, um, he gave me the car to run. Um, and I also have, uh, we have Granny's Ice Creams, Gino's Pizza. They've all been really helpful. And also Atomic Truck Sales and Service and Equipment has been one of their big sponsors this year. Oh, and good thing my fiance sitting next to us, our really big sponsor too, is we are Power Mist uh, Race Fuel dealer, and they are also one of our big sponsors um, as they are hoping to get their fuels back up here for kart racing. All right, all right. Chris, do you have any last uh, questions, concerns while we have it for the last few minutes? Well, i tell you what, one thing that's been great, uh, we have a full board over here with people that have called into the show. Um, so Ashley must be pretty popular. And so popular that I couldn't find which one Craig Moore was on. So whoever whoever I had unmuted, and <laughs> thank you for staying on mute because obviously you did not want to be on the show. 
uh, but you've used this Alex to all in. So, uh, with, without further ado, <laughs> Greg, don't be late anymore, man. What, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I was working outside today, and I dozed off on the couch and woke up and said, oh, crap, it's Monday. So, but uh, here, I got one question for you, Ashley, before we let you go. Um, you said you're running two tracks. I'm assuming you're running Dodge City and obviously Kroga. What's the difference between the two tracks? It's they're you know they're both go kart tracks, but what's the major difference? Well, um, there's the big difference is the size. Kroga is um, a little bit bigger than Dodge, and they're a little bit more banked. So for me, honestly, Kroga is always my favorite, and I love that I can get you know, two to three wide, but I can hold it on the outside. They they gave me a little nickname when I was younger, um, way outside, because I used to just hold it all the way outside, and, and I guess that's just they would always think. Sometimes I'd make it all the way through. Other times I would hit the wall. All right. And um, what are the what are the uh, what are the plans for? 2021 as far as like I said I missed the first 10 minutes or whatever what are the plans for 2021 you said you guys have how many cars five cars I think I've seen there when I was there a couple weeks ago um but you're running two to three normally is that what uh is that what that was yeah we usually run we're running um the two to three I mean we do have a um a heavy tire a mower tire um cart that my fiance Rob is gonna try to get into um once in a while. But um in the two wing champs, I mean we do have a couple of other wing champs. Um we just you know, haven't honestly had the time to get them together. We we even said that we would offer somebody if we could get them together. Um, if they wanted to try them out, it's just been a matter of, of time for us to to be able to do that for somebody. All right. All right. Well, that's that's interesting because I know I know some people that might be interested. Uh, <laughs> what um, you're now? You said there's a big race coming up this weekend. Thousand, yeah. So did you say something thousand dollar to win or something like that? So this weekend at Crowley Creek, we have our WCRS series, um, which is a non-for-profit series, and everything goes for. Um, two children with cancer. So we have a $500 to win wing champ series, and that is guaranteed no matter what, For no matter if you have one cart or 12 out there. Um, and then that is, uh, there's also, I think it's 150 to win for the semi-pro class. So I'll be out there for 150 to win, um, but I'm sure there will be plenty out there to try to get 500 or more. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's great that people uh, are able to to do that for the go-kart series and the wing champ series. I, I want to thank you very much for joining us again. I apologize that I was late. Uh, and then Chris couldn't figure out because we have an onslaught of people calling in to listen that uh, he forgot which one was mine. And that's cool. Uh, but I want to th- thank you for uh, joining us. Guys, you got anything else? 
Uh, Ashley, thank you for coming on, and uh, can't wait to hear all the success you guys have, and maybe we'll try to get you on later in the year to hear about how the season went overall. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. We will talk to you soon, young lady. Best of luck this weekend. Thank Good you. Luck. You're welcome. All right. All right. That was a heck of a gift. And, uh, yeah, so they, there's question marks here. Obviously, maybe Blog Talk Network uh, uh, knows which numbers call in the most often or something. I'm not really sure. I've never noticed these question marks here, but uh, anybody that's uh, got experience with using Blog Talk Network, maybe they can give me a heads up on that. Um, I hate that we missed you there in the first part of the show. Uh, but this is uh, – we're going into – our third segment of the evening, and uh, this is probably one of the most exciting ones. We get to sit back and hear Taz Taylor uh, give us a rundown, and we still got a little bit of SRX series to squeeze in here as well. So, uh, Taz, uh, we're running a couple of minutes behind. Uh, we'll squeeze in the SRX segment. Like, let's do that in between um, uh, this segment and the Southern Turk Track Report. We'll bring uh, we'll bring Jared on. Maybe he watched the uh, the um, uh, SRX series this past weekend. But Taz Taylor, this is your this is your gig, man. All right. Well, this week no short track super series action. I don't think they had anything scheduled. Uh, Utica Rome rained out. On Friday night, they tried getting it in, but unfortunately, Mother Nature kind of took the twist for the turn when they got ready to put the cars on the track and said, you guys aren't racing. So, Unicorom rained out Friday night, but Fondo, they ended up getting their program in. They did get a little rain that paused the program in the middle of the racing night, but they got it in. And we will have a highlight reel in about a few seconds with the modif- with the Mighty Modifieds going green off turn four. And we're looking at Steve Akers and Jamike Soul leading them in turns one and two. Jamike Soul takes off with the race lead. Steve Akers for second. Everyone's shuffling through. Ronnie Johnson just rockets through. Ansel Collins slow on the back stretch, and he's going to fall off like it's no tomorrow. Here comes Stuart freezing the Hallmark 44, looking to get back into victory lane after taking a few weeks off at Fonda as everyone completes lap number one, caution free. Adam McAuliffe riding there for spot number three by the looks of it. Here comes RJ getting around. Steve Akers, he rockets right by him, and he'll take over spot number two. Actually, Adam McAuliffe is the race leader at this time. Or sitting in second, Steve Akers moves back. Here comes a flying squirrel, Rocky Warner, down the back straightaway. He's closing in quick on Steve Akers. Move forward to seven laps complete. Make it eight this time. Adam McCall gets to the inside of Jamike Soul for the race lead in turn number one. Jamike Soul holds him off in turn two. Down the back straightaway. Here comes Ronnie Johnson. He's looking on from spot number three, watching the, these two duel it out. Through three and four, Adam McCall on the bottom. Gets the race lead from Jamike Soul. Mike Soul moves back to second. Adam McCall, new leader, is Ronnie Johnson and Rocky Warner are closing in from third and fourth. Ronnie Johnson about a car length behind the 76 machine of Jamike Soul going into turn number three. To the inside, he's going to look for second, and he's got it on corner number four. Moves Jamike Soul back to third, and Rocky Warner knocking on the door from the fourth position. 
Move forward to 12 laps complete. Rocky Warner is going to sail up to the high side. He's going to look to get around the 2RG of Ronnie Johnson for a second as they close in on the leader of Alan McAuliffe. Three wide off turn number two with a lap car. Rocky Warner takes over spot number two. RJ moves back to three as they now close in on lap traffic. Two lap cars right in front of the battle for seconds. Adam McAuliffe has gone around those two. And meanwhile, with 21 laps complete, Rocky Warner gets held up by a lap car. RJ takes the second spot back on the inside off turn number two. Rocky Warner still battling with lap traffic. And RJ gets by both of them. And we've got a car around in turn three and four. And that kind of throws Stewie off as he gets into the tire barrier in turn number three. That's going to bring out the yellow. As we get to restart, 21 laps complete. Rocky Warner shoots up to the lead. RJ right behind him for spot number two. Jack Laner going in for third. Here comes Josh Hornforst to the inside. He's going to look for third, but he'll settle for fourth. Here comes David Schilling and Mike Mahaney. They're going to throw in their heads to battle for the lead to the top spot. And that'll bring up the yellow for a slow car. Here we go. Restart once again. 22 laps complete. Rocky Warner and R.J. Ronnie Johnson going to lead him down to turns one and two. Jack Laner to the inside of Ronnie Johnson looking for second. R.J. holds him on on the outside. Jack Laner's not going to go down without a fight. Here comes the 6-H of Josh Hornforce. He'll rock it on the outside through three and four. He'll look to take third from Jack Laner. He does buy a tire. Make that a car length now as they come across the line. Five laps to go. We'll now look at here shortly as Mike Mahaney and Stuart Friesen this time are going to work on the 85 of Jack Laner. This is for position number three. Mahaney on the outside gets by for third. Laner moves back to fourth and Stuart Friesen knocking on the door from position number five. And Stuart Friesen going to go to his favorite high lane and will try to get by. White flag in the end this time for the flying squirrel Rocky Warner. He gets a huge run in turn number two. See you later. Goodbye. Down the backstretch in the three and four for the final time. The Flying Squirrel Rocky Warner picks up the win at Fonda Speedway over Ronnie Johnson, Mike Mahaney, and Stuart Friesen, the top four. Also, this that's pretty much about it for local race recap. Um, this Saturday, the lower tire group is back in action with the first of four races for the Fast Forward Series. Uh, the series was developed basically to kind of bring in drivers that want to compete for a championship but aren't dedicated to a full race schedule due to other commitments they may have. Uh, so we got so it's a normal race program. With gates opening at three, hot laps at four, with our more tire predator novice and adults with our more modifieds ready to take action. And that basically wraps up the local segment for the Northeast. Is tonight's a short one. All right. I'll tell you. I'll all right. I'll all right. Yeah. So. Uh, that was uh, the update for the northeastern region. What's going on in the south? Uh, well, we had rain, 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 rain. And uh, this is our rainy season, so uh, it could, uh, you know, it could affect uh, races coming up. The class of the mag was this past weekend, Jonathan Davenport. 
picked up the win. Local guy, well, uh, local Mississippi guy, Michael Arnold, uh, finished runner-up there. Um, and I believe the World of Outlaws races, uh, second place finished by Spencer Hughes out of Meridian, Mississippi. So <clears throat> two big, two big finishes by local Mississippi drivers. Uh, in the big series there. But the Clash and Mag only raced on Friday. They did not uh, race the Saturday event. They put $12,000 on the line. Jonathan Davenport uh, was your winner. But I believe uh, Saturday was a complete wash for just about all the racetracks around. We'll have the Southern Dirt Track report on here in just a minute. I believe they'll be calling in in just a minute uh, to give us more of an update of what's going on. Of course, we're racing at uh, Wyandotte Motorsports Park this, this weekend. Uh, we'll have double features for the races that are to be made up from our rain out uh, last Saturday night. Uh, but uh, the forecast, you just have to keep your eye on it. We have been known to race in conditions that uh, most people wouldn't be able to. I just it shows the hard work that they put into the facility over there at the house of one of Mercedes Park. Um, we have a minute. We'll go ahead and start the SRX uh, review. Taz Taylor, this was the second weekend of the SRX series. I feel like much was improved. I enjoyed the racing. I better enjoyed the broadcast. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of a fake feud, or was it fake? I mean, what turns out to be a yeah, you know, what, what could be just playful teasing uh, could uh, develop into something really quick. What do you think about the whole Paul Tracy, Michael Walter bordeaux? Is that just staged? Is this uh, the WCW? Or what, what, what do you make of that? I'm not really sure what to make of it, but I, I'm liking the rivalries. I mean, we, we all thought we thought we would see some old rivalries. But I were not seeing new rivalries for the time. I mean, we're kind of part of the broadcast. We're one great guys like Willie T and Paul Tracy in the series, and series brings that. So, seeing guys like Wall Trip and Paul Tracy that are both aggressive and like to bang and lead one another and bring a rivalry to the series. It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, like you said, Chris, everything, the list of the fans, so uh, drivers staying in the start and shortening some of the length of the races for after so they, it is, they're doing things right, I believe. Yeah, Taz, you're breaking up a little bit. My only complaint was uh, basically the finish. When you're a part owner in a series and you go out there and you win the second race of the year, uh, and you're and you say from the beginning that hey, there's good, this is not NASCAR. This is this is a different style of racing. This is this is a competitiveness between the superstars, and you have a thing called a fun caution or whatever it is. Um, I felt like with three to go, Ray Everham, whoever's running the dang thing, should have threw out the caution and bunched the cars back up. Uh, I mean, I wanted to see, and I, and I wondered if maybe they didn't because Tony Stewart was leading, which means to me the more of the reason to throw the caution because, you know, basically the co-founder of this series 
is about to win the race. And I don't think any of us are here to to to, to take the curtails of a of a three time Cup champion. You know, I mean, Tony Stewart had a storied career. I I don't I, I didn't expect to you know uh, have to toot his horn already. I, do you feel like I feel, and maybe it could have been a little bit more shenanigan to it? And basically, now they didn't they didn't stop the race with Kobe either. So I mean, you know, and and obviously he's gotten a a Doug Kobe's gotten a, a, a DMS ride out of a truck series ride. But seeing that he was the the co-founder, would you have not wanted to see a late race caution right there? Well, I would have liked. I mean, I didn't get to see it because I was working, but. I thought it was strange from the very beginning that he was running in this series. It's his series. Um, and I get that he's a racer and he's competitive, but you almost want to pick Tony Stewart every week, seeing how he's the, uh, you know, he's the odds on favorite and, or should be, excuse me, or should be, you know, the first week I picked Bill Elliott, last week I picked Castro Neves, but He's the founder of the series. I really don't think that, you know, personally he should be racing in the damn thing. But that's my opinion. I think that, uh, you know, it could have, they could have given it to another local driver every week. Give it to two local drivers from a local track. And, uh, you know, or a nearby track. Let's put it that way. Maybe not that track, but a nearby track. Um but no, I, I agree with you there too. They could have done something to make it more interesting, so that he wouldn't yeah. have, won or, or he wouldn't have well, won, or maybe not had a good a chance to win. Or go ahead, Tess. Well, they brought in Everham brought in Stewart, and obviously, as a, obviously we know he would be a racer. But the reason why Stewart was brought in was to grab racers from. I mean, yeah, people are saying, well, he shouldn't be racing in it, but, and you can, Craig, I'm going to kind of counter you a little bit. You can say, yeah, Tony Stewart's favorite, but I don't know. Haley Deegan gave him a run for his money. Ernie Francis never really turned a lap of dirt until a couple of weeks ago when he was at a uh, local track running in a mod light. They have won the current time behind the wheel of the car. Ernie Francis has been up there. I mean, he sits in the top half of the field for regardless if it's a race or a feature. Bob Labani, once we get back on asphalt, I think he'll get back up there. I'm thinking maybe third could be a struggle point for him, and which is kind of when I heard that he uh, helped run long, hard gas. Like, how was he struggling on dirt? But maybe dirt's not the biggest thing for him. But I'm hoping that they get Bill Elliott's car situated now that everyone's running the same car uh, each and every week. Same problem that he had last week happened this week. Yeah. But star performance by Haley. Star performance. Yeah. Like, she's going to come out party. Uh, for this race, and if that does, if that's what this does, if that's how this series does, and it elevates these drivers that quickly, like it did to Kobe and possibly Haley Deegan, it could be a career changer for Haley Deegan. 
Like, we've seen her race on dirt. But she went out there, and she was competitive. She was super competitive. She took care of the equipment. As you are still breaking up a little bit. Um, but she was super competitive, had a great finish. Haley Castroneves, I think, was the biggest shocker, uh, being that it was a dirt track. I wasn't surprised by Ernie Francis. If you think about the types of cars that he races, the Trans Am Series, a lot of road course racing, if you'll notice, a lot of these dirt drivers do really good at road course racing. It's because they learn how to arc the corners. They learn the, the, the braking and all. So it's, a lot of, it's really a lot of similarity between making right and left-hand turns as it is to do it rolling your banks at, uh, at your local dirt track. So I'm not surprised at all that Ernie was able to turn that over and, and do uh, it, it, we need that in this series. We need uh, these guys to be making a name for themselves. And I think that, uh, you know, the the whole Paul Tracy, Michael Walter deal, I think that's, you know, that's all a facade. But, hey, if anybody knows uh, Paul Tracy, you know, things can get out of hand real quick by that guy. Um, we do have uh, Jared that has uh, that's come on board. Um, but, guys, Wait, before Chris, we bring him we on. we got to make SRX picks while we're on it. And yeah, we got to make our SRX picks. Hit. You're right. So, Craig, Craig has first pick. Craig, you might want to pick who you're picking. We know who you're picking, but we need to let the fans know who you're picking. Craig? Mm-hmm. He, that guy, okay, he, he falls asleep too easy, don't he? <laughs> We, we got to see if he's narcoleptic. Uh, I don't even know if that's the right word. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Craig picked Tony Stewart. We'll go ahead and announce that. He had the first pick. and So, I, while we're making our picks, I, I, it comes to me that we may not have uh, said exactly where we're going and what type of speedway this is. As maybe you can give us that real quick before we, before we finish our pick. Well, we're at our second and final race of the season. We're at Tony Stewart's Eldora. Um, obviously, the safe pick is Tony Stewart. Being that he runs the track, he's going to know it inside and out. Um, after shocking me with Knoxville and being that he runs well, I mean, there aren't really much dirt ringers. I mean, we're going to get Scott Speed. We're going to get um, Cody Swanson, the local guy this, this week. Um so those of our – and then Tony Kanan returns after Haley Deegan subbed in for him. And so my pick this weekend uh, is going to be Ernie Francis. I'm going with Ernie Francis Jr. as my pick. Speak. Um, Mr. CJ would be our next in line, but unfortunately he I don't think he's with us at the moment. So that would leave Miss Lee to make her next pick. So Tony Stewart and Ernie Francis are off the table. Miss Lee, let's see what she's got. I know she pulled the local guy one the first week and that pulled that did wonders. <laughs> I pulled I took her pick again to Bloomquist last week and I Bloomquist did well minus a couple mistakes made for being heavy car for the first time like that. And she's going with the local guy, Cody Swanson. Which leaves Chris. Oh, there it is. Turn on your mic, you idiot. Now that's me. I was talking to myself. Uh, 
tough stuff. Um, yeah, y'all, y'all, I've been giving the pointers of who's who, and y'all just right out from up underneath me. You pull, you pull, uh, 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 Ernie Francis. See, I'll know. I, I guess I made it a leaned in a little bit too hard on that one. Uh, and then Cody Swanson comes off the board. And so I'm left, I'm left over here. I'm just, you know, I'm up in the air whether or not Bill Elliott is a sleeper or a keeper. Paul Tracy, I, I don't believe he's he's uh, going to turn out too well. He's the uh, Cody Ware right now. <laughs> well, he ran, he ran well minus the Mike Crawford incident. I mean, he ran. So, he went from back of the pack to fifth numerous times. You know, Marco Andretti. That's a, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a safe pick there, but Marco. Being that he has a lot of road course experience in the Indy cars, you know, you would think that he would be uh, – he, he could possibly be a good pick there. Uh, Scott Speed is the name that sticks out because Scott is – he is the Tony Stewart of race of a racing world. It's just, you know, Scott didn't have that much experience in fender cars. So, uh, Scott Speed, definitely a talented race car driver from the F1 series, another, uh, you know, road course dominant uh, type racing. <laughs> Um, why is it every time my thing goes, it, it shoots right back? So I'm looking at the uh, at the entry list, and uh, oh my goodness! Well, I was looking at the entry list, and then it, then it disappeared. So Tony Kanaan's in the field. Uh, that's another IndyCar driver with a lot of with a lot of experience, but you know. I, I'm going to have to go – I'm leaning hard towards Bill Elliott. I know. I don't know why. Bill Elliott. Austin Bill from Dawson Bill. All right. Interesting. Well, hopefully they get the purple car issue situated. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm banking on, right? They owe Bill Elliott one, right? So maybe they'll cheat it up a little bit. Maybe they'll put the best crew chief on that car. And we'll make and, and Bill Elliott will at least give me a solid top three. I mean, I don't see why in the well, hell Bill Elliott would give me a top three finish. Bill Elliott's known for taking care of equipment. He's known for staying out of trouble. Eldora, you know, I, I don't know what to expect yet from these cars in Eldora. Um, I know they, they're going to be even slower than the trucks were. So, uh, you know, grip's going to be the biggest issue. And um, we'll see. But I, I've got to go with Bill Elliott, man. I think that's that's my solid pick for making the most points this week. All right. So now we're going to wait on Mr. CJ. Is he, He's usually yeah. the last one to pick. I, I I always hope he comes on to pick so he can pick at the right time to make us more challenging. But right. he just makes it challenging for himself. But, hey, outside life happens, so. But well, we're running a few minutes behind here today. I've got uh, Jared Hudson uh, that's been on the line there waiting patiently. So we'll we'll bring yep, him we'll on. We'll get him on. Yeah, we'll bring him on. Jared, how are you doing, sir, from Southern Dirt Track Report? Glad to have you on. Are you feeling any better, my friend? Yes, sir. I'm doing dang near skippy, by the grace of God. <clears throat> that is absolutely beautiful. Glad to uh, glad to know that, that uh, you are checking in well. Uh, this weekend, so you've been out of racing the last couple of weeks uh, with uh, with with some elements. Uh, where yes. are you going this weekend? What you got planned? 
Well, Saturday I ended up going to Northwest Florida Speedway, and I felt like garbage because I had a, uh, I had, I found out I had a, uh, oh shoot, what do you call it, an ulcer in my throat. But I went to Northwest Florida Speedway, and it was a lot of fun. They, it rained, and they had seventy cars, which is super awesome for that racetrack. To get 70 cars, that's a really huge deal. And that was because nobody else around was racing. And then a lot of other tracks were getting rained out. Well, it started raining. It rained about 30 minutes. And then 20 drivers left. And I'm not going to lie, that kind of made me mad because, or aggravated, is because it shows how devoted they are to their local track. They didn't, they didn't care. You know, they had the same radar that everybody else did. They knew it was going to rain. And it rained for 30 minutes with lightning storm and whatnot. And I knew it wasn't going to last long because I've been watching the weather and the radar. And it didn't. And Mr. Scott Sessions did an awesome job. He was the one that runs the track. He did an awesome job getting the track ready. Uh, they got all the drivers out there helping. They dried it out best they could. And they went back racing, and it ended up being some awesome racing. But sadly, they didn't have full field in the street stocks because several of those had left to go elsewhere. And uh, But it was a lot of fun racing. They had uh, 602s, uh, IMCA modifieds. Uh, street stocks were on the schedule, and they never put them on the schedule because they don't show up when they put them on schedule. Well, this time, they actually showed up and had enough for a full field, thanks to Chris Walker Electric and the other sponsors, that uh, put 750 on the line, which was really awesome. They ended up like four in the feature or something like that. And then they had, uh, let's see, the vintage class, and it was just a lot of fun. It it was a one-groove track, but it was no potholes. It was, I mean, it was really good racing. You know, if it hadn't rained, it would have been, you could have raced high, you could have raced low. It would have been that awesome. I mean, it's just that good of a track. And then this weekend... I'm going to uh, Deep South Speedway in Lodgley. They got regular racing, 602s, uh, factory stocks, uh, the UMP modifieds, street stocks, pure stocks, and I'm not sure what else is on schedule. <clears throat> so you're, you're planning on going to Deep South this weekend. Um, yes. Did you catch any of the uh, any of the racing on TV this past weekend? Jared, did you catch uh, the SRX series or maybe the, uh, the some of the Cup series races? I did not catch the SRX because I have a hard I have a hard enough time keeping up with NASCAR when they come on, and I wish I'd I wish I'd, I wish I'd I did watch the IndyCar race which was super awesome, and then I watched the all three of the NASCAR races. I, the Truck Series race was super super awesome. I really enjoyed watching Ryan Priest win that race. And 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 Grant Infinger is my driver because he's from Mobile. He's my favorite. And sadly, NASCAR won't let him run for points this year because he's swapped back and forth between the two teams. And I sure hate that because uh, that's that's my man. But I really enjoyed watching Ryan Priest. I'm a fan of his. And he didn't do so good in the Cup race, but yeah, that was cool. And I really wanted Ross Chastain to win that race. Even though I'm a Kyle Larson fan, I'm just tired of Kyle Larson winning every week. I wanted Ross to win that race so bad. And then, of course, NBC, they cut the race off, 
and they didn't even show the Ross Chastain interview, which I was kind of aggravated by, but I did see it on their NBC on Facebook page today, so I got to watch that interview. <clears throat> yeah, that that was sad. Ross Chastain had a career finish, worked hard to be there, kept the car good, and didn't even get the post-race interview. The Watermelon Man uh, got got pushed aside once again. Uh, it could be – we didn't even mention anything about Ross Chastain tonight. It could be uh, – this could be kind of the coming out party for this kid. We know he's, we know he's got talent. We've watched him. Uh, come along here the last couple of years, uh, but uh, I guess we have kind of underplayed that second place finish there. Because I've I've seen him win several races, truck series. He can he can win in any series. He's kind of like you know, kind of like Kyle Larson. You put him in a dirt car, he probably pretty, probably do pretty good. But I was tickled to death to see him. And then when I watched his interview, they interviewed him, but apparently they must have moved it to whatever, and I missed. Because, you know, NBC's bad about doing it like Fox a lot of times. They'll say yeah. at the end of the race, well, we're going we're gonna to continue the coverage on so-and-so, and I missed what channel NBC said that. But thank goodness when I saw his yeah. interview, that he was, I mean, he was as ex- tickled to death, as excited as a fat kid, a buffet line on Valentine's Day. And, uh, <laughs> I, mean, <that's, laughs> I mean, you know, you imagine this fat kid saying my food and pushing people out the way. But, yeah, like, like Ross is one of those drivers that I'm really glad he got a top quality ride. Now somebody who I think deserves a top quality ride like him is Parker Kligerman in the 77. Now Parker did race the truck race and I don't know if he got to race the Xfinity series race, but he's another example just like Regan Smith of wasted talent that's so good, but can't get a full time ride and they end up doing NASCAR on TV, and I'm sorry, I'm tired of seeing Parker Kligerman and guys like Regan Smith on TV when they should be racing. Because Parker's a very good driver, he just can't get the top equipment to show it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and we, we wonder if Parker's career has kind of already passed him by, um, being that you know he's been around for quite a while and never really got that opportunity to run. Uh, full-time in the Cups and all. Uh, so we got some pretty big races coming on in the southeastern region here. Um, of course, the Street Stock Nationals, the August 11th through the 14th. Uh, Fox Classic coming up in October. We just had the Clash of the Mag. Uh, there's some pretty big races that are uh, popping up down south, too. Uh, uh, Jared, do, do you have any information on those? Um. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about the Street Stock Nationals because I go every year for my, oh, I go every year to celebrate my birthday because my birthday is always, uh, well, it's August 19th. This year is a little bit, the race is a little bit earlier, but I'm still going to go. And Deep South Speedway has got a huge race coming up. Uh, they did it last year. It's a Deep South 100, and I'll have to look at their Facebook page. Let's see, let me look at their Facebook page and pull it up, their schedule. Uh, let's see, Deep South Speedway, there it is. So the Deep South 100 was uh, 100 lap, Crate Racing USA, 604 late models last year. And it was wild. It ended up being some drama between Mike Lane and uh, James Gilmore. 
And then, but other than that, it was a really good race. I think Will Harrington won that race. Uh, he's the championship points leader at Crate Racing USA or won the championship last year. And let's see, let's look at the dates here. Uh, Deep South this weekend and July 3rd, they're doing the fireworks show and the Shine Run series. Crate Racing USA, let's see. Deep Southern, um, August 21st. Um, November, yeah, November, uh, November 18th, 19th, and 20th, uh, Deep South 100 practice night on the 18th, uh, Deep South 100 night one as the 19th, and then the 20th is night number two, $10,000 to win, Crate 604s, which is really awesome, and then we got Tri-County Speedway, let me look up their schedule, they got some huge races coming up. Uh, I know they just recently had the Mississippi uh, Super Late Model Challenge Series, uh, the Thrash family. That was cool to see them uh, come in with the Tri-County Speedway. Look at their schedule here. Mississippi on March. June regular racing. All right, June nineteenth regular racing plus six oh four six oh two late model championship race. That's gonna be a cool race. And then July seventeenth regular racing. I'm trying to look for. Okay, here we go. Uh, October eighth and ninth crate racing USA late model touring series twenty five hundred dollars to win. Friday night three thousand dollars to win. Saturday night plus weekly classes. 23rd Hayride to the Pits and regular racing, which is cool. That's that's in October. But their big race is the Legacy Dirt Track Championship. And that's honoring Larry Lambus, Gary Mayer, Shep Lucas, uh, Larry Boutwell's presentation, 2021 points, champions belt. So the Legacy is a cool race. They, they used to, have, they did have three races. They had the Joe Wallace Dirt Invitational. And then they had the uh, Buddy Crenshaw Rumble, and there was one other race, I can't remember. But they combined all three to make one big race, and that's what the Legacy Championship is. So I've actually got a T-shirt from the Joe Wall, uh, Wallace Dirt Invitational and the Buddy Crenshaw Rumble. And if anybody knows Buddy Crenshaw, he drove the number 83 vintage car and built carburetors for years for everybody. And then he had a stroke or a heart attack a few years ago. He's not able to uh, build carburetors anymore, but everybody used to go by Crenshaw Speed Shop over in Bruton, and 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 they said he he knew carburetors so good he could build them backwards blindfolded. So that was kind of cool to pay tribute to him. And then I think Joe <laughs> Wallace several years ago. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, Artie, I mean, uh, we have a guest on. I think it's a '95 number. Is that Artie? Hey, what's up? Hey, man, glad to have you on the show here. Uh, we were we're wrapping up uh, the segment for Southern Dirt Track Report, but you called in at the right time. Already, uh, give us some updates, man, on where, where, what was going on. And I've seen the announcement today that uh, Pike County has a huge announcement about the Jim Bly 100. I'm sure you can fill us in on that. Oh, yeah, Pike County, they announced today that Flow, Racing, uh, Flow Sports will be um, – We'll be um, videoing the races for the Jumbo Live 100 this year. Also, we got the Powder Puff this weekend coming up. 
uh, on Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg is going to have the kids' races um, this weekend. Uh, it's usually the box car races or medal um, things for the kids. They always do something on the last Friday of the month for the kids. Um, and Baton Rouge got rained out for the sprint cars last week, and they are going to be running um, the sprint cars. They're going to be announcing that pretty soon here. So um, the last couple of weeks we've been rained out just about everywhere. Um, that I go to, so we haven't seen too much racing in the last couple of weeks. Um, I went to Outlaw last Saturday. Um, first feature, and here comes the storm. So uh, didn't get didn't get it in, but um, we tried. <laughs> and and Hattiesburg canceled as well. They canceled early, uh, anticipating yep. the storms that were coming in. Uh, there's some uh, there's pretty big racing coming up this weekend though uh, down south. Uh, tell us about that real quick, Art. Um, yeah, everybody's running this weekend. Um, Baton Rouge is running. Hattiesburg's running. Outlaws running on um, Saturday, and Pike County will be running on Saturday as well. Um, it's my birthday weekend, so I am probably going to be heading to Five Flags Speedway um, on Friday night, and on Saturday night I plan on going to Mobile International. So I'm doing a little asphalt this weekend, um, trying to do something a little different for my birthday weekend. All right. Speaking of asphalt racing, did you notice the uh, the big announcement today about a new facility being built in Lump, Mississippi? Yeah, um, I've been following that page for a while, and um, this morning they announced that they had purchased, I think, 600 acres, something crazy like that, and it's going to be a real course. It's going to be a, a asphalt track as well as a drag strip all in the one. So that is very exciting. It's going to be just north of Hattiesburg, and it is going to be, um, once that place opens up, should be a nice facility, and they're going to try to get some, um, I guess, some Formula One races or, or something like that in their racing. So it should be exciting. Yeah, that's a big thing uh, for the state of Mississippi. Um, we haven't had an asphalt facility, an asphalt track, uh, since the days of Jackson Motor Speedway. Uh, of course, Jackson Motor Speedway that we know of today is a dirt track, and it's in fire in Mississippi, but the original Jackson Motor Speedway was actually an asphalt track down near the center of Jackson. Awesome. Uh, so with uh, with Mobile and Five Flags, do you think that uh, this is a good, and, and, and uh, of course, the asphalt track over in uh, Houston, Texas, is that is that a good vicinity right there to kind of bring in another asphalt track, uh, Artie? Or what do you what do you think about that? Is it going to be is it going to shut a track down, or is it going to help them? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of in the middle of um, you know both ways. You can go to Five Flags, you can go to Mobile, you can go to like you said, Houston. Um, there's also a couple of tracks like Montgomery Motor Speedway and um, South Alabama Speedway. So. I really think it could be a good deal. Um, the state of Mississippi doesn't have an asphalt track. The state of Louisiana does not have an asphalt track. Uh, a lot of them guys that used to run at the Rev, which is now a dirt track, you know, when some of them guys are looking to, looking to race somewhere that's closer than, than always traveling. So um, it, it could be a really good thing, especially for the state of Mississippi. Um, it could bring in some big series, even with the drag strip, the way they're going to build it. It, it could be uh, – NHRA could be there, you know. Oh yeah. yeah having a having a state of the art uh, drag facility in the state of Mississippi 
I don't know if you remember if you've been to Hub City and all. I've been to Battlefield here. I've never been to Hub City. But that was a very popular drag strip there in, in Hattiesburg. And when drag racing went away from that area, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like, this is almost the central zone of some of the best uh, dragsters in the world come right out of this area. And now we don't – now there's not even a, a drag strip. So this is a big opportunity, and, and it puts uh, Mississippi on the national stage. It's, it's called Mississippi what, – what, what's it called, Art? Oh, I don't know. I looked at it today. See, I've been looking at it all week because they've been posting all kind of stuff on there, and um, I'm, I'm on my computer too, and I can't, I can't, I can't seem to figure out the name of it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's, it's, that's, uh, I'm trying to get myself there. I mean, a road is really weird, you know, because yeah, there's not many. It's going to be awesome, though, uh, for sure. Mississippi Raceway Park is the uh is the name of the facebook page so that's going to be mississippi raceway park uh it's a multi-purpose facility uh um everything from stock car racing uh to uh um sports car racing along with maybe even an indy or a form a bid for formula one it's definitely state-of-the-art uh, it, it's an awesome looking facility. It's hard to believe that uh, someplace in the middle of nowhere is uh, going to have uh, this type of facility sitting there. And uh, we, we hope that it becomes better. Of course, New Orleans has one too, right, Artie? But that's not always been a successful racetrack. Uh, yeah, Nola Motorsports in New Orleans, um, they, have, they have ran the Louisiana, whatever they called it. Um, they ran it for two years. The first year it rained out, the second year it rained out. So, um, they had no success with the with down here in the south, as you know, we have all these pop up showers. Um one minute it's clear, the next minute it's like a hurricane out there. So um that's what we used to down here in South Louisiana. Uh it happened today. All day has been beautiful, sun shining and all of a sudden the the sky fell through and everybody's flooding again. Um we've had flooding the last three or four days in a row. Just from these pop up showers that are popping up and plus with that hurricane well, the tropical depression that came through. <laughs> Right. right. This is our it's rainy up. season, and the Gulf, the Gulf definitely makes things difficult for racing of all kinds here in the summer months. Because honestly, it gets hot as hell, and there's only one way to cool us off, and that's by opening up the rain clouds. And we're glad for it most of the time when it comes down, just just not on Friday and Saturday nights when we're trying to get some good racing in. Artie, uh, Jared, it's great to have you guys on. Now, Jared, you still have a product that you're pushing. Tell us real quick about the product. Product before we let you go, we are way behind tonight. Yes, uh, go to Race Safe Race Safer Fuel Arrester on Facebook and check out our fuel arrester we have for sale. We got it. We got it for sale. We got our we got a PayPal set up. If you want to keep your driver safe and your car safe, the Race Safer Fuel Arrester goes around your fuel tank. If your fuel tank ruptures or car flips over, it gets damaged, and fuel spills out, this will soak it up and absorb it to keep your fuel from spilling and a driver catching on fire, please check out our Facebook because we want to keep drivers safe as our number one priority, and we hope to sell a bunch of them this year. Yeah, this is this is directly for, designed for stock cars. And there's a lot of, a couple of very big stock car races uh, coming up. The street stocks and the factory stock guys are, uh, have been put on a pedestal around here, and uh, there's a lot of big races coming up. Uh, 
So make sure that you uh, you're you're having uh, the 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 best equipment possible, and one of these safety pieces here could definitely save your life. Exactly, and we got the street stock version available. It's five fifty, and people say, "Oh, that's that's expensive." So well, it's American made. It's made of NASA grade material, and we guarantee that it works. NASCAR driver Jimmy Spencer tested it in two thousand six in the Bush Series and won at Darlington with it in his car, and he loved it. But NASCAR couldn't use it because they deemed it was too, you know, too much for back then. But we got it available. The Street Stock Nationals are coming up. The Street Stock version is ready to go. We need the Street Stock drivers to hit us up if you want to be safe. Okay. Well, we appreciate your Southern Dirt Track Report. Look forward to y'all's weekly segment. And uh, just uh, just keep in touch with us. And, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to, to expanding this, uh, this adventure here. But uh, thank, thank you guys you. for coming on. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. All right. All right, thank you. All right, Taz. It looks like it's me and you to close things out here. Of course, we've got double features this weekend with uh, NASCAR. We're Pocono. We're going to race Saturday and Sunday. Pocono has been known to have a lot of moisture as well. Pocono's uh, it's always cool up there, but there's always a chance of rain as well. What's going to happen if we wind up having to run these two races on the same day? Has it? Do you, do you uh, have you accepted that that may be a possibility? I don't think they will. Being that Cup has two races, there's no way they're going to do two Cup races back to back on the same day. So if it rains on one day, they'll probably see if it rains on Sunday or not Sunday or Saturday. They'll probably push it to Monday. Um, let Sunday run and. Uh, Monday, I, I don't think that happens. I really don't. I don't. I don't see that happening. I mean, I really don't. I think that they'll either run the race early Sunday morning, or they'll race. They'll race uh, late Sunday evening until the sun goes down. I, I you know, it, the cost that it takes NASCAR to have to do to, to stay till Monday uh, when they're already racing on on Sunday. If the race gets rained out on Saturday. Now, if it gets rained out on Sunday, then I expect, you know, we'll probably be there uh, Monday as well. And, yeah, as Miss Lee pointed out, there are no lights at Pocono. But uh, we've been known to run a few races that we knew we're not going to get completely in as long as we can get to that halfway point. Um, that's all that matters. So uh, I would probably foresee if a Saturday race gets rained out, an early morning Sunday Cup race, and then uh, the mid-afternoon race uh, following up. But, uh, you know, we may be there till Monday, though. You better pack your bags if you're going to the Poconos. That's what it's always taught us. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Pocono is going to do. Um, it's hard to preview this track as well, Taz, like, because the, most of the time there's there's just not the – it's it's a hit and miss. Like most of the time, the guys who go to Pocono, they they either hit it or they miss it, which makes it not not too far off to have a repeat winner for both both races. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, both of these guys are coming into the season needing wins. I think that they were the winners of last year's race as well, right? Am I mistaken? I believe uh, Harvick took the first one and Hamlin took the second one. It was something like that. If one of them won it, the other one didn't, and then it was vice versa, pretty much. 
Um, so who knows how that'll go. But in ter- but but Ryan Blaney got his first win at Pocono. Uh, so uh, Alex Bowman has run really well at Pocono. Uh, Matt Diamondetto has run well at Pocono. Um, could we see Eric Amarola come out? Obviously, I think we all have written Eric Amarola off, but he said not too fast. Uh, he got a, he got a pole this past weekend and ran pretty well. Uh, you know, are we going to see one of these one of these back marker guys uh, rise up to the uh, top, or are we going to see maybe somebody in that 12th to 16th range uh, pick up a win? Maybe Austin Dillon or Tyler Reddick. Yeah, maybe, probably we'll see that happening. But before we start making our picks and announce Craig's two picks because all three series are running, but Cup's got the doubleheader. Uh, we do have a fan question, Chris, if you want to answer it quick. Um, so our fan question says, while watching a race, I noticed that a few drivers get penalties for doing something wrong while entering or in pit road speed, staying in your box. What's that all about? All right, so, you know, it goes back to if you watch early NASCAR, there was no pit road speed. Uh, what created this pit road speed is the is the danger effect, basically. Um, guys used to come on the pit road wide open. They would leave as fast as they can. And then uh, a driver, I believe, not a driver, a pit crew member, I believe, was Bill Elliott's team uh, back in, I uh, would say, maybe 93, 94, got killed uh, on pit road in a pit road incident. And uh, so NASCAR decided to um, make the car slow down coming on the pit lane and exiting. And with that, it's created more, more rules. This is, this is not a rule for performance at all. This is a rule for safety. Keeping these guys safe is the number one priority. Back in the old day, they didn't have fire suits. They didn't have helmets. They ran out in front of race cars wide open. Uh, but But... When NASCAR, when there's serious injuries in NASCAR, NASCAR never takes lightly to that. And they've made changes throughout the years that have protected these crew members. The reason why they don't want a crew member over the wall early is because that crew member stands a better chance of getting run over. It's not that there's a competitive advantage to it. I'm sure somewhere inside it is a competitive advantage if a guy's already over the wall when the car's six pit stalls down. Now, they are given the right to jump over the wall within two two pit stalls. So when the guy enters the second, the pit stall just before, crew members are allowed to go ahead and anticipate the car arriving, which which is why you see guys over the wall. But a driver, a, a, a pit crew member can go over the wall sooner than what he's supposed to, which would lead to a penalty. Last year, if you'll remember, a penalty was rescinded from Chase Elliott's team because a crew member jumped the wall but then come back and reestablish himself at the wall. And basically that's how Chase Elliott won a championship uh, because a quick-thinking crewman said, hey, I'm going to correct this mistake because I come over the wall too quickly. I'm going to go back to the wall. I'm going to touch the wall. And NASCAR agreed. It threw me for a flip. I couldn't believe it. I said the guy left early. But, hey, we got to remember that, once again, this is a rule that's intended to keep the pit crew members and that's the whole idea behind the penalties coming on to pit road is to keep the crew members and the drivers, of course, safe. We still, to this day, have incidents where crew members get hit or run over, and it's a scary moment. But 
thankfully, since uh, since the since the pit road speed uh, penalty has been in effect, we've had zero fatalities of of of, of a pit crew member on pit road. So. Um, kudos to NASCAR for seeing that a long time ago and, 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 and bringing that. Of course, it, you know, you think about, you go back to Juan Pablo Montoya at Indianapolis. He dominated the race. Do you remember this past? Dominated the Indy, the, the, the Brickyard 400. He dominated it. And then had a pit road penalty for speeding on pit road. Juan Pablo Montoya said, there is no way in hell I come on the pit road too fast. He knew how important it was that Juan Pablo Montoya was going to go to victory lane at the Brickyard 400 in NASCAR and prove that he belonged there, but the old pit road penalty uh, put him back, and uh, of course, that never happened. And uh, It was uh, one of the, one of I think my biggest moments that I can remember of a driver that succumbed to that penalty, and it happens a lot, and uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's just pure for safety reasons. And the uncontrollable tires we've seen earlier this year, uh, equipment, equipment leaving the box and an uncontrollable tire. When NASCAR has to throw the caution for that tire, like they did with the Chris Busher incident, where Busher had not went to the pits yet, there was a tire on pit road, I believe it was at Kansas. Uh, NASCAR waited till all the cars cycled through to throw that caution. Uh, because they can't just leave a tire out onto the speedway. They have to throw the caution to to, to get that tire. That tire was uh, far enough off off the pit lane and in a pretty pretty closed off area, you know, far enough away from the racetrack that they allowed the cars to circle back until all of them had made their uh, uh, their 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 uh, pit stops. But so anytime something comes out of the the pit stalls and basically onto the racetrack, that has that creates a caution, and NASCAR has to go and pick the debris up, or pick the tire up, or pick the gun up, or pick the jack up, and that then you know a lot of times these things happen while we're already under caution. But if we're in a green race and and it's green flag and something like that happens, uh, generally NASCAR has to throw the caution, and that creates a penalty, and it should be penalized when somebody leaves uh, leaves the box with uh, with equipment or the tire, uh, an uncontrollable tire. And NASCAR, a lot of times, will deem a tire uncontrollable, and it's because of how they've set up the metrics on when and where that tire is supposed to go. Sometimes that tire never leaves the box, but it didn't correctly go into the hands of the over-the-wall guy, and so that creates a penalty. Um, but all of that is done in concern of safety, 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 safety. So that's our fan question for tonight. If you have any uh, questions uh, that you would like answered on Race Chat Live, you can send it to our email address at racechatlive at gmail.com, I believe it is, uh, Greg, um, if he's there. Uh, or you can send the question via Messenger on Race Chat Live page. I believe that's the, probably the right way to do it. Uh, but, yeah, so now we're into our closing segment where we make our picks. Um, I see that uh, uh, Logano. Yep. So, Craig has So Craig has picked. For, uh, we have truck on Saturday with, Cup, with Cup's first race after that. Sunday is Xfinity and then the second Cup race. 
So Craig made his picks early. He's got Matt Crafton in the trucks. Uh, and then he's got A.J. Allmendinger in the Xfinity. And for the cup races, he has Kyle Larson winning the first one with Joey Logano winning the second one. Miss Lee, on the other hand, has the same truck pick as I do, and that is Todd Gilliland. Uh, Xfinity, she picks Justin Allgaier. She made the same, Miss Lee made the same cup picks for uh, me and Craig did. However, Miss Lee saying Denny Hamlin for race one, where I have Denny Hamlin for race two, and Miss Lee saying Kyle Larson for race two. So, obviously, I've revealed half of my picks. So, obviously, Todd Gillen my truck pick. Denny Hamlin my pick to win the second Pocono race. My Xfinity pick is going to be a driver that a lot of people probably sleep on, but Pocono is one of those tracks where your sleeper picks could actually pay you big bucks, and that's gonna my pick is going to be Myatt Snyder. Um, and then for Cup, on the first race, I have William Byron. Ooh. Wow. What about the second race? Second race, I have Denny Hamlin. Oh. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So, uh, you know, there's no no doubt in my mind, John Hunter Nemechek has one of the fastest trucks out there this year in the truck series. David Gillian, uh, David Gillian's team, David Gillian Racing, Cod Gillian, boy, oh, boy, he's come on strong. That kid is looking good. I don't know if it's equipment or Todd finally gets it. I hope it's both because Todd has been around for a few years, and when he stepped out of the Kyle Busch situation, I don't think that that was good for either side. It was not a good atmosphere for Todd. But most of the time, you wonder whether it's the student or the teacher. 90% of the time, 99% of the time, it's the student, right? And so being that he went to his father's team, I thought, okay, this might be the, this might be the real Todd Gillian showing up, right? David had a so-so career. His father, Butch Gillian, uh, had a you know a, a very quiet career, kind of like Bob Keselowski, uh, Brad's dad. Uh, you didn't really hear much about him. He made a couple cup starts, whatever. Uh, David had a little bit more successful career. So Todd, we didn't really know what we were going to get, but it looks like the kid is really coming on strong now. But, hey, I experience, experience, experience. I keep preaching it. John Hunter Nemechek, I'm not wagering. He is my pick. I'm going to get the most points this weekend. Uh, the other than maybe the winner, uh, just because I know that John Hunter is going to be strong. It's all about consistency, and I'm in this to win this, and I'm not trying to lose ground uh, to any of my competitors. I do respect your William Byron pick. I believe Chevy is where it's at right now. I didn't go with Chevy this weekend. I went with Ford. Ford performance. First on race day. What did I say? Mustang, Pony, uh, got a little bit of uh, uh, okay? So Harvick, hey, come on down, Kevin Harvick. Harvick's going to win Saturday. And you know who's going to win Sunday? I got my eye on the 21. Crew chief change, in effect, boom. Playoff mode, in effect, boom. Matty D. Matty, Matt Diamedetto secures his ride 
at Penske, he'll pick up the win in the 21 Wood Brothers car. Then we will hear the announcement that he is going nowhere. Matt DiMedetto, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. They like him at Wood Brothers. They're keeping their guy. Austin Senior could wind up in the two car, the 12 car, whatever the number is that Roger Penske picks for him. But Matty D seals the deal. He keeps his his ride at Wood Brothers by picking up the win Sunday evening. Matt DiMedetto, talk about going for a sleeper pick. There you go. Boom. What you know about that? All right. Well, Craig played it safe. Chris made a jumping move. I I guess you can see mine's a little bit. I made two jumping moves, I guess you can say. Miss Lee made one. So, looking like knowing that Paul Pocono is, we took some twists and turns with our picks this week. And I'm kind of liking the wild cards. I want to thank everyone for listening in tonight to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio, powered by the 110 Nation Sports. If you haven't already, make sure you like the Facebook page, the 110 Nation Sports and the Race Chat Live pages on Facebook. Make sure you check out the website, the110nationsports.com. Again, thank you to Ashley Paul Mateer from Allen Racing for coming on as our guest this week. Next That's week, right. Next week for our guest, I had my list here. I know I did. I had it right in front of me, ready to go. Now I lost it. There we go. Oh, now okay, I got it. Joe Biden. Next week. You got your next list, week. Joe Biden? Did you find your little listy list, Joe Biden? <laughs> hey, I had it prepped. <laughs> I wasn't like I wasn't biting for that one. I had a press and then somehow lost it. But we have Tanner Warner next week for another uh-huh. local driver up here in the five one eight area and then uh get out to your local short tracks if you can, watch some NASCAR racing from Pocono, Eldora for S R X this Saturday on C B S. Um you know what I love the most about Pocono? What's that? Watching last year's event. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, You know what I love the most about watching Pocono? What's that? You get to see all the new material from NBC, all the It's Raining material, you know, all the cool stuff, Wall Speedways and that whatnot. We're at Pocono, man. There's going to be a rain delay, (laughs) Bob. <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. Well, once again, like Tad said, you can find us on a podcast, Apple to iTunes podcast. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on the Blog Talk Radio Network and One Ten Nation Sports. Uh, just look us up, listen to the show, share it. Man, our numbers are growing every week. Uh, there was a certain word that I was going to use there, but I was afraid that, uh, like many times before, I would use the wrong word or not pronounce it correctly. But we have had a whole lot of new listeners chiming in and listening to the show over this past season. It's a lot of our, our show is really moving back up the charts again. But we need more people downloading this this, this, uh, this show. And uh, I've, I've got a new network that I'm looking into. It's called Anchor. 
they're paying people to be on their network. Instead of having to pay those to be on a network, they're paying people to be on the network. So we're going to check into that too, uh, see if we uh, see if we can't get paid to do what we're doing here because uh, it's definitely all volunteer work. And when I say volunteer, I'm saying it starts at the top. Mr. CJ Sports, a lot of money comes out of his pocket every month for us to be able to do this show, and he's the head captain here at the One Ten Nation Sports. Uh, but we have Miss Lee, who's working. She's our pr- uh, production manager. She stays in the background, of course. Craig and I and Taz has been with us for about a year now, over a year. Um, it's all volunteers, man, and uh, we make this thing happen. And we do our own uh, research. We do our own reaching out to folks, bringing them onto the show. And uh, we couldn't do it without supporters like you. And we appreciate you uh, tuning into the show. Uh, we'll be back next Monday night. And uh, we look forward to it. Uh, Taz, is there anything you want to uh, close out saying? Uh, well, we'll see you guys next week. Again, Tanner Warner will be our guest joining us at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Central. This has been the Race Chat Live, powered by 110 Nation Sports, part on Blog Talk Radio. This has been... The Caution Flagger Radio, Chris Crane, the DJ Music Man, Craig Barr. I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying so long, good night. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week here on Race Chat Live. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve, planting the hill. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. Thank you for listening. See you next week.